Disneyland, they're having the grand opening of uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It's basically Star Wars land. It's said to be a totally immersive Star Wars experience. You can stand in line to buy a churro, just like a member of the Rebel Alliance would. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe the biggest news story of the day is the largest group of illegals to ever cross at once uh, happened yesterday on the Mexican border, 1,036. Apparently this is an ongoing thing, large groups. And uh, I just saw CNN, CNN headline where it said Trump's Trump increases Mexico tariffs over, and then in quotes, illegal immigrants. In quotes, because that's just a phrase that only someone like the president would use. Right, a brute. Which I find racist. Amazing. But more on that later if you haven't heard it. Yeah. Uh, Also, uh, I promised to do this uh, once an hour. You ought to check out the One More Thing podcast. It's a segment of the show. It's an extra segment that can only be heard via podcast. Wherever podcasts are given away for free, because we're stupid. Um, and uh, also, this Arnold Schwarzenegger's rap song. We heard it briefly mm. in the last hour of the show. It is one of the worst things ever. And uh, <laughs> we'll inflict it upon you again this hour if you dare to stay tuned. Stop whining. The California Globe is a uh, lesser-known publication, but they have done some incredibly thorough journalism on the West Coast bomb explosion, as we've been calling it. It's entitled The Homeless Industrial Complex, and it is so... Good. It is astoundingly good journalism. It is uh, it puts the L.A. Times to shame, for instance, just in its uh, rigorous investigations. For, they begin with several paragraphs on the situation in the City of the Angels. I'll just pluck words here and there. Rats have taken over the city. Multiple rodent-borne, flea-borne illnesses, plague, typhus, louse-borne illnesses, measles, tuberculosis exploding. Typhus, hepatitis, tuberculosis, shingella, diarrhea, trench fever, there's lice again. Medieval, as reported by the Atlantic, medieval diseases are infecting California's homeless. Trench fever? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's just a summary of the first two long paragraphs. I'd hate to be in the waiting room there, and the doctor comes in bad news. We we took a look at it, and it's it's trench fever. What, it's what, what now? <laughs> what? There are estimated to be over fifty five thousand homeless in L.A. County. That's at, a lot. At least one hundred and thirty thousand statewide in Cal Unicornia, which is somewhere between a quarter and a third of all of the homeless people in the country. Right, living on sidewalks, parks, parking lots, vacant lots, the beach, no sanitation, trash collection. Rats, fleas, mosquitoes, ticks, mites, and lice, etc. And and uh, now to dive into some more of the substance of it, and this is so good. The problem of ho- the homeless could be completely solved in a few months if there were the political and judicial will to get it done. The National Guard could be deployed, working with city and county law enforcement. Homeless could be sorted into groups, criminals, substance abusers, mentally ill, undocumented aliens, and all the rest. That has been uh, my cry for many, many years. Quit using one term to describe a whole bunch of completely different groups. And then, yeah, because that renders it useless. Uh, we need to treat the sick, they say. But you got bacteria on the one hand, you got viruses on the other, you got mental illness, you got a, you you know, a broken ankle. <laughs> yeah, it's right, exactly. Yeah, well said. It's We must treat the sick. What do you mean? Anyway, and then they describe what the facilities ought to look like, and, and they are thoroughly uh, enlightened and compassionate and healthy and the rest of it, and where they ought to be put, uh, under utilized government land or near urban centers, but away from downtowns and residential areas, uh, industrial areas in short. 
And there's plenty of money to do this. In L.A. alone, in 2016, voters approved Measure Triple H, which sanctioned pro wrestling. No, not really. It allocated $1.2 billion in bonds to build 10,000 units to house the homeless. Since then, L.A. voters approved a quarter-cent sales tax increase to help the homeless. Additional hundreds of millions are coming from the state to help the homeless. Every major city in California is spending tens of millions of dollars or more on programs for the homeless, but most of the money is being wasted. Why? Because there is a homeless industrial complex that is getting filthy rich, wasting the money while the homeless population swells. Well, yeah, it it clearly is not getting any results because the homeless situation is way worse than it was a couple of years ago. Right. So after spending gazillions of dollars, it's worse. Now, Now, part of it is theft and mismanagement. And then part of it is, this is the great conundrum with the homeless thing. If you have effective help for the homeless, you're going to attract more. (laughs) So it's just, it's it's a tough one. Well, and there is a bit of a vicious cycle, circle, in that uh, it's the most expensive place in the country to live, save Manhattan, um, and or, you know, part like Seattle. But as a state, California is an incredibly expensive place to live. So, uh, so you do have a lot of people who can't afford to live. I've, I've been in places I couldn't afford to live and I moved. But anyway, just to break this down, because we could spend the next hour on this. It's so good and so thorough. But I'll just hit you with breaking down some of those numbers. A uh, great example of the wasteful spending. Homeless shelter being built in Venice Beach, famous Venice Beach, LA. Or a permanent population of over a thousand homeless have taken over virtually every public venue, including the beach. I was there days ago. It's true. Because their tents are now protected by law as private space, they not only serve as housing, but as pop-up drug retailers and brothels. Uh, To get these folks off the streets and off the beach, a 154-bed shelter has been approved by the city council. Keep in mind now, there are over a 1,000. It will be a wet shelter, meaning druggies and drunks can come and go as they please. The estimated cost for the shelter so far... Is eight million dollars? Eight million dollars to house one hundred and fifty people, right? Which equates to over fifty thousand dollars per bed. And you can spend the night, go out, get high, drunk, however you're going to do that, beg money, steal whatever, then come back, spend the night, get up. That is something. That's some plan. And as they ask in the California Globe, and we'll have a link to this piece. It's absolutely terrific. Do you already, uh, Hanson? Yeah, under hot links at ArmstrongandGetty.com. but nobody's asking, wait a minute, over $50,000 per bed? Why? Costs aren't that bad if you consider the cost of new construction in exorbitant, overregulated California. But this isn't new construction. It's temporary construction of very large tents on three acres of land. $8 million to put up some large tents and plumb for bathrooms and a kitchen. Uh, not only is it only capable of housing a small fraction of the homeless already in Venice, it will attract more homeless people to relocate of course. to Venice Beach. Of course. Uh, there are a couple of more examples. Uh, let me find them for you. Okay, here you go. According to an NPR report, this is Nakedly Progressive Radio, way left, um, from June 2018, when voters passed Measure Triple H, they were told that new permanent supportive housing would cost about $140,000 per unit. But average per unit costs are now more than triple that. This is NPR. The Path Ventures Project in East Hollywood has an estimated per unit cost of $440,000. That's per unit. See, that's how I have a knee-jerk 
instinctive reaction against any taxes. Right. Because this happens all the time with so many different things. It becomes an incredibly rich giveaway to cronies. I got another one for you. This is the uh, L.A. County Flyaway Homes, a privately funded development company that's gotten on the uh, the sugar teat. Their 82nd Street development will cost $4.5 million. $4.5 million to house 32 clients in 16 two-bedroom, 480-square-foot apartments. That's $281,000-plus per two-bedroom apartment. Wow. Their clients. Eight, their 820 West Colden Avenue property will cost $3.6 million to house 32 clients in eight four-bedroom apartments. How are they? That's $450,000 per apartment. How are they choosing when you have, if you've got, you know, a, a thousand homeless people and you're going to home 150 of them, how do you choose which ones get it? Well, there are years-long waiting lists. And, and especially if you're into the wet shelter thing where you can be a junkie or a drunk or whatever and you don't go to the back of the line. Um, you just get stuck in as a junkie at the taxpayer. Because uh, unless you're cost. unless you're putting a fair amount of effort into who you put in this housing, there's a very good chance a, a lot of the people that are getting this incredibly expensive housing, th- there's no helping them at all. Right. Yeah. They have no interest in getting their act together. So finally, and part of the reason I'm going to enjoy presenting this to you is because Jack over there has dealt with it personally. Um, they mentioned the uh, costs are utterly unsustainable. I mean, can you imagine $450,000 per unit? Um, but the homeless industrial complex has grown into a juggernaut, crushing the opposition. At community hearings across California, quote-unquote, homeless advocates, who are often bust in from other areas expressly to shout down local opposition, yep. demand action because no one deserves to live on a sidewalk. What the frig ever. Money is squandered and the population of homeless multiplies. This is not compassion in action. Rather, it's corruption in action. Then they offer a bunch of really reasonable solutions, which perhaps we'll get to a little bit down the road. That's incredible. It really is amazing. And, you know, I'm sorry. What time is it? Yeah, I'll just compress this very quickly. I became aware at a very early age growing up in Chicagoland that... You know, it's a predominant, or, or a, there are a lot of black folks in Chicago, whatever the the property is, heavily black population, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and, and there are, there are a lot of really poor areas, poor areas, south side, west side, et cetera. And so there are tremendous uh, federal dollars, state dollars flowing into Chicagoland. Well, you get these cronies who get, uh, they, they run these, uh, you know, community organizer type organizations to help the good folks. Well, it turns out, that these people skim tons of money. They have high salaries. Their people have high salaries. Everybody's getting rich. But what they do do uh, faithfully is they make sure everybody in the neighborhood turns out and votes Democrat over and over and over again. I became aware of this at an early age. And so the the charitable industrial complex, because it's not charity, it's it's money taken by force from taxpayers and redistributed, is is a crony game. It's a it's a scam that is perfected in the US of A. But the key is just a bleeding heart teary-eyed plea for compassion always is these people are utterly shameless and you're a fool if you fall for it so says me the chicago police released the jesse smollett documents i agree with chris rock you're jesse um (laughs) jesse uh, and there's some interesting info and that among other things on the way on the armstrong and getty show Available right.
right now via the iHeart app and iTunes. Our two new podcasts. Armstrong and Getty, one more thing. That's our daily after show podcast. And Armstrong and Getty Extra Large featuring our interviews of the most interesting people in the world. Subscribe today via the iHeart app or iTunes. Or wherever podcasts are given away for free. Because we're stupid. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So is there is some movement on the Jussie Smollett hoax. Uh, as the Chicago police released a whole bunch of documents yesterday, this is how the Today Show reported it. The trove of documents began with Jesse Smollett considered the victim, but records show detectives start to doubt the actor's story almost immediately. Gotta love that. <laughs> when officers presented crap. Smollett with this grainy surveillance photo, he said, those are the guys who attacked me. But when investigators showed him pictures of the men whom they already had in custody, Smollett said, it can't be them. They are Abel and Ola Osendero, who told police it was Smollett who paid for the supplies used in the hoax and gave them $3,500 to stage the attack. The documents also accuse Smollett of buying weed, Molly or Whitney, slang for cocaine from the brothers. I've been truthful and consistent on every single level since day one. All right, so so are, did, did the police release these documents just to make it clear? Look... He's standing by his story. Some of you idiots are going along with it. Look, we knew it was phony from the beginning. Right. And the bottom line is it remains utterly inexplicable why the charges against Smollett were dropped. Because he clearly perpetrated the hoax and wasted the uh, filed a false report, wasted the time of the police department, squandered $130,000 worth of uh, investigative resources. It's good to be connected. But that uh, Kim Fox gal just said, no, nah, not so much. He's a celeb. So the police knew real early, like oh, yeah. that night. Oh, yeah. Wait a second. Well, the day, wasn't it the day that it was reported? You and I were saying, that's not real. It's too perfect. He's standing by it. No, please. He's a liar. He's a liar and a crazy person. Unbelievable. And by the way, Molly is not slang for cocaine. What, 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 what are you doing today, show? What is it slang for? It's uh, MDA. It's uh, like a uh, sort of uh, ecstasy. Um, Whitney? Whitney? I haven't heard that one. Is that slang a, for the yayo? It's a new one to me. Peruvian marching I'm, power? I'm, I'm at least several years out of the yayo circles. but <laughs> I uh, Well, I, I, I police my streets in my neighborhood. I constantly got my ear. I have informants. Anybody talking about Molly or Whitney around here? If I heard. If I have to guess, Whitney sounds like a white girl name. Cocaine, white, set, right? Like one of those. White. Yeah. Whitney. White. Whitney. Whale. Cool whip. Uh, Russia's trying to get new warheads, defying a test ban treaty. Whoops. Talk about that someday. Russia. The U.S. measles outbreak, outbreak has now set a record with 971 cases, surpassing the high from 1994. I got my uh, MMR uh, booster yesterday. Did you? Yeah. Went to uh, see my sawbones. They jabbed me. That gets hardly any attention. Well, nothing really gets any attention outside of impeachment on a lot and of And abortion. Impeachment and abortion. Oh, do we have a great featurette for you on, uh, on that topic? A little bit later on this hour, Congress guy, right? Wasn't that a congressman, Sean? 
Uh, yes, uh, yeah, Democratic con- representative. Yeah, yeah. He he blasts his interviewers for their shallowness. Oh, it's great. Uh, the bipartisan joy, folks, coming up. Please do stay tuned. Well, you got yesterday. You got that the largest group of illegals crossing at once that we've ever had. Uh, One thousand thirty-six. It's you know it. it How is it not a story? And then if you watch MSNBC, the only thing that's ever going on is impeachment. It's the only story that exists in the world. Yeah. Flip over to CNN, they mix in abortion. Soldiers die in Afghanistan, Russia's building warheads, measles outbreak, whatever's going on. Nothing makes the news except for impeachment. And for goodness sakes, I mean, that's, that's like your hard news news. But what about, why are drug prices so expensive? Is anything being done about the cost of health care? How are those great new cancer therapies coming along? You know, there are so many issues, you know, uh, workplace safety, things people actually care about day to day that don't exist in the media. It's all the beltway and abortion. So I'm at Target yesterday after a doctor's appointment with my son because we promised him a small toy if Mm. he he went along with everything you need to go along with. And he didn't. So we're at Target. He's trying to decide between this Lego box and this Lego box. Mm. We got to hurry this along because sometimes he gets stuck on trying to make the decision he's trying to grandma type person comes along says to my son oh look at those cheeks i just want to pinch them you're so cute Uh oh and he puts down one of the boxes and he says we gotta go i'm being humiliated here <laughs> oh my gosh wow <laughs> if i had a dime for every time i said that <laughs> oh boy marshall what do you got in your news trust Mark? doubling down on illegals and a lot of buzz about disney's star wars land Fantastic. Make yeah. people buy ads, Marshall. Armstrong and Getty. We've got to go. I'm being humiliated here is a feeling I have regularly through oh. my day. Um, we got a whole bunch of texts saying Whitney is cocaine because of Whitney Houston dying in the bathtub from OD. And, oh. and we got like 30 texts on that. Why do so many of your listeners know all the latest cool street lingo for drugs? Why don't you clean up your act, <laughs> you bunch of junkies? <laughs> we got to get to the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, I got to tell you, the human waves are not stopping. More than a thousand immigrants apprehended after illegally crossing the border near El Paso, Texas. The manufactured early- crisis. Early on Wednesday morning, this group, 1,036, is the largest ever encountered by the Border Patrol. Now, as all this is unfolding, President Trump's expected to make a major announcement about the border, and one thing he is reportedly considering would be sweeping restrictions placed on those seeking asylum. His plan would essentially block Central American migrants from entering the U.S. Apparently, there's a draft proposal circulating among Homeland Security advisors, laying out plans that would prohibit migrants from seeking asylum if they have resided in a country other than their own before coming to the U.S. Well, that is the U.N. Human Rights Commission rule. You apply for asylum in the first country you come to. All we have to do is enforce the rules as they're written, mm-hmm. and, and it'd be fine. Well, it wouldn't be fine. It'd still be challenging, but it would right. help. I just I just wonder if at some point, if Congress, particularly those who are going against Trump, Democrats going against Trump, are going to pay a price for this. This continuing to act like this is not a big deal. There's a change in tactics. 
Now groups of 100 or more mm-hmm. regularly come to the border. We ha- we we've got to come up with a way to deal with this. It's crazy. You're a racist. Now, if uh, if these changes go through, it would effectively deny asylum to the thousands of migrants waiting just south of the border in Mexico. Meanwhile, you got the Mexican president, uh, uh, Obrador, asking President Trump to reconsider his tariff threat. Obrador saying his foreign relations secretary is going to be leading a delegation to seek a negotiated solution to Trump's threat to impose new tariffs on Mexican goods if the country doesn't do more to slow migration. Obrador said in a public letter to Trump that social problems are not uh, going to solve... uh, uh, be solved with duties or coercive measures. Well, yeah, but you won't help unless we, you know, threaten you. How about you help a little Obrador retriever, huh? China is apparently creating a list of what it considers unreliable entities that threaten the interests of its own businesses. The move coming after the U.S. blacklisted Chinese tech giant Huawei amid escalating trade tensions. The list, they say, is going to include foreign firms. People and enterprises Beijing feels violates contracts, don't obey their market rules, and cut off supply for non-commercial reasons. Mm. So it back and forth and back and forth continues. Well, and there aren't a lot of signs that China is coming around to the idea of, okay, we're going to get with international trade rules oh, no, and traditions. absolutely not. They are it's heading going, in the other it's, direction. It's going the other direction, absolutely. Yeah. I'm listening to a lot of podcasts uh, lately, and all of your China scholars uh, say that. Xi is going completely the other direction, and fast. Wow. Wow. Meanwhile, and we need to wake up to it. It's, as, it's crazy. As he militarizes the South China Sea. But again, abortion and impeachment. All the time on the news. You can't if you once you get me started on this, I can't stop. I'll, I'll make this short. But so yeah. I'm, I'm reading these books, articles, and listening to the podcast. What's interesting about the difference between China and the Soviet Union is, as two giant communist countries, and China has now lasted longer than the Soviet Union did. Congratulations, as a as a, as a communist <clears throat> nation. Right. But <clears throat> with the Soviet Union, you had right wingers trying to say, "Look, this is a dangerous, oppressive regime looking to take over the world. We need to watch out." And lefties and intellectuals saying, no, 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 it's the future of the world. It's fantastic. You're misreading it. It's a worker's utopia. With China, it's the opposite. You got the right wing because all the business people want to make mo- are making money or want to make money off right. of this great giant market. And you got the intellectual set and your university professors saying, this is an awful regime hell-bent on taking over the world and enslaving us all. Wow. Wow. On a completely different matter... Ah, the Force will be with thousands of Star Wars fans in California today. Disneyland's new Star Wars section finally opens to the public. Back of the line, son. Dad's got to fly the Millennium Falcon. (laughs) Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Yes, it has a Millennium. Yes, you'll have an 8-year-old behind a 35-year-old behind a 56-year-old. Thank you to not cut in the line. Yes, Sorry, it, mister. I'm wearing traditional Tatooine garb. <laughs> yes, it has a Millennium Falcon ride and a uh, cantina serving real cocktails. But until the end of June, only people with a special pass oh. or a room booked at a Disney hotel can get inside the new park. A cantina serving real cocktails. Awesome. It's, it's, it's Disney inequity. We need to march against this. Rachel Maddow, who's... Whose uh, ratings are plunging needs to uh, speak out against this. Did you hear she lost five hundred thousand viewers 
in the week, I think it was, after the uh, Mueller report came out, and it made clear there was no Russian collusion, she was abandoned by the hundreds of thousands. Well, and who can blame them? Toronto Raptors topped the two-time defending champion Golden State Warriors 118 to 109 last night, taking the opening game of the NBA Finals. Pascal Siakam set the led the Raptors. Pascal Siakam, dude, Foreigners. hadn't even played in the playoffs. Four, he went wild. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he led the Raptors. Four lands with four names. He of the eight-foot <laughs> wingspan. Yeah. Yes, it's astounding. Led the Raptors on their home court with 32 points. Siakam flips it up and banks it home. He's got 30. Warriors were still without star Kevin Durant as he continues to recover from a strained right calf. Plus, the Warriors are still getting used to the Canadian basketball, which has laces like a football and is oblong, like a rugby ball. It's tougher to dribble. And a three-pointer is only worth 2.4 points in the metric system. That's right. Game two is going to be Sunday night again in Toronto. And that's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. The refs are Mounties, and the rims are hewn with wood. You lose that second game as the Golden State Warriors, then you got some serious pressure on you. Oh, yeah. Win them, win. win them both at home just to even it up. Or does it go to three at, uh, in Golden State? I think it's 2-2-1-1-1, two, two, one, 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 is it now? I believe that's what it is on two, the finals. 2-2-1-1-1. One, one, one. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> in, in order to make sure that the finals last the full two yeah. months yeah. allowed. Clear right. up until tip-off for the right. next season. Right. Um, so where are we on impeachment? I heard that now there are 50 Democrats that say they would vote for impeachment in the House. That's still a long way short of enough to change Nancy's mind, I think. Yeah. Yep. Not fevered cable news coverage. A little realism with Paul Kane of the Washington Post coming up in moments. Armstrong and Getty. thought that says if the Senate acquits you, why bring charges against him in the private sector when he's no longer president? That's the Speaker of the House making her argument for why impeachment would be a a waste of time on Jimmy Kimmel. Since everything is all about celebrity now, the the Speaker of the House makes these arguments on Jimmy Kimmel. Robert De Niro's got an opinion piece in the New York Times today about Mueller testifying Eesh. Now, so it was two days ago, Nancy says, look, I got 38 people that are for impeachment, 200 that are not. Well, as of today, there are reports that there are 52 people, 51 D's and one R. So it's growing somewhat, but still, I think, a long way from where you'd have to be to change Nancy's mind, I'm guessing. Yeah, probably depends a little on how you ask the question, too. But uh, why don't we delve into this and uh, similar topics with Paul Kane? Paul is senior congressional correspondent and columnist for the Washington Post. He's been covering Congress since 2000. Hello, Paul. How are you, sir? I'm great. I'm great. That just made me feel so old. (laughs) Oh, I'm telling you, man. We have people, uh, they write us emails, say, I've been listening to you guys since I was seven years old when my dad made me, and now I'm the father of 18. You know, it's just, it's like, oh, for God's sake. Well, it beats unemployment, I guess. Hey, what Uh, what number would it have to get to before Nancy might start uh, thinking impeachment has to happen if it's at 50 now? Uh, you know, I, I don't think it's a. I think this is uh, like an old Potter Stewart 
pornography line. You just sort of gonna know it when you see it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not gonna if if there is. They do begin impeachment proceedings. I don't think there's going to be some sort of official whip count where, you know, 131, you know, they hit 58% of the caucus. I think there will just be a tipping point moment um, where something will have happened, something will have been said, some uh, Trump will have done, blocked somebody in some way that is so outside the bounds uh, from testifying or revealing documents, that it will just be an unknown thing where everybody will say, all right, well, we're going to begin this. We're not sure where it's going to go, but we are going to start. Uh, I don't don't think it's a quantitative thing. I mean, look, we're we now have our whip list up at at WashingtonPost.com. You can find, uh, uh, you know, depending on what exactly was said, is it 48, 49, 50 um, who are supporting it? Um, But uh, in reality, I think this will either be something that continues along in the pace it's going right now, or there will come a point where it is so overwhelming and obvious that this needs to start that it won't even be really an issue. It'll just be a don't you come don't you come to a point fairly soon though where it's just too late to well, get yeah, going. It's like firing a guy at his going away party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. You know, that's that's the question. You know, the historical analogs here of the last fifty years um, are are not perfect for this situation because uh, both Nixon and Clinton, all of this started after they had won re-election. Um, there was no real clock involved in either of those. Um, but I I think this is one of those things where you know if if you. If you're on the side of arguing right now that this is the right thing to do because of legal moral consequences, I I don't think you would then argue, well, March happened, uh, March 2020 happened, and it looks as if we have sort of a nominee ourselves, so now we're going to pull back. Uh, I think... I think the timeline on this is that they they probably have until the end of the year. to have the impeachment proceedings begin. Oh my God! Um, wow, that's and you can picture them beginning in 2020 and running while the campaign's going on. I, I, well, you know, in reality, the campaign is going on. Well, true, the campaign has started right now. But I mean, the full-on—they're they were... voting in Iowa, and you're having conventions and all that sort of stuff with impeachment happening. They voted for the the, the vote to begin the Bill Clinton impeachment proceedings happened on like October 5th or 6th wow. of 1998. It yeah. happened less than a month before the midterm elections. Mm, good point. Um, so you know, this is a very for- forgotten fact. It was the, the politics of that moment were so uneven. Nobody knew what was going on. There were 31 Democrats that joined with Republicans and voted to begin impeachment proceedings against Clinton. I did not remember that at all. That's the sort of beautiful bipartisanship we need more of these days. That is really interesting. Paul Keynes, the senior congressional correspondent columnist for the Washington Post. So, Paul, you may have kind of answered this question. I was going to ask your hardcore, yeah, let's go, let's do it, Maxine Waters et al., uh, Mm -hmm. who, who just want to impeach even though... You know, uh, learned minds on both sides of the aisle say it'll be political suicide and the the Senate will never do it. I mean, are they making a moral argument? Do they not care? Have they not read that in the paper? Do they think they can sway the Senate with their trial? Or is it just they're in such safe districts they've got enormous hubris? Or, what do you, what's your take on that? 
Yes, 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 and yes. Thank yes, you. No, yes. <laughs> Yes, yes. Okay. Did I get them all? Yes. Um, yes. It is, it, it, there's a collection of them. We're trying to do this in our reporting. What our team wants to try and do next week when Congress is back is talk to as many of the pro-impeachment Democrats to sort of really get their, their uh, where they fall into this. It's clear that there are a bunch of Democrats that believe that he is unfit for the presidency and should be impeached. And those uh, those folks believe that before the Mueller report was even out. There's uh, Congressman Al Green from Texas who has articles impeachment uh, that I think he first drew up after Charlottesville, for instance, which is almost two years ago. So there's a sort of a bucket, to use that overused MBA term, a bucket of those that really believe in the moral case that he is unfit for office and should be should be uh, tossed out. There's another group that just want to begin the proceedings, that they think that that will give them a better legal standing as they try to fight these cases in court to get uh, people like Don McGahn to testify uh, before Congress and to turn over documents. They believe that the if you're in a full-blown impeachment proceeding, you have higher legal standing. So there, there's a group there that have that uh, belief. And in recent days, I think after Mueller spoke, um, I think you've got a new group that's coming on that want to begin impeachment proceedings, and I think we're still trying to figure out where they they fall. What is their camp here? I think they believe that Mueller tried to signal to them that he thinks he should be impeached, so therefore they're now on board. Um, are there anybody, any people from uh, really swing districts right now that are uh, backing impeachment? One or two. Um, uh, one from New Jersey, Tom Malinowski, Harley Rhoda, uh from a district in uh, uh, Southern California. That's about all that I've seen in terms of those that are in the tough districts. We had two people, two of my coworkers were in swing districts this week as Mueller spoke. One the night before Mueller spoke, one as Mueller was speaking. Um, and impeachment just didn't come up. It doesn't right. come up, you know, and this is one of the events was at uh, a traditionally African-American church in Virginia's Tidewater region, and they just weren't talking to this new congresswoman about impeachment or Trump or Mueller. What were they selfishly asking questions about issues that affect their lives? I mean, that's disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah you know, they asked about the things that, uh, you know, like health care, climate change. Climate change comes up everywhere. I, I it, it is the issue that I think I've, I've been most surprised to see that has really mm. broken through. I spent a, a couple days with one of these new freshmen in upstate New York, a uh, rural district, and uh, everywhere he went, uh, they took, people asked about climate change. Um, and that's getting more traction than Trump, Mueller, Russia impeachment. Interesting. Paul Kane, senior congressional correspondent, columnist for the Washington Post. Paul, you are old school, uh, a real journalist. Really enjoyed the chat. I hope we can do it again. Absolutely. Love to, guys. Yeah, well done. Thanks. And uh, Paul's got this great column on the Select Committee on the Modernization of Congress that is trying to bring Congress into the 21st century so they can get stuff done. It's really interesting. Maybe we can follow up with him uh, down the road on that. You know, I liked all the stuff he had to say. I found it interesting. But at the moment that he said, uh, everywhere we go, nobody asks about this. Nobody cares. I thought, why are we still talking about well, this? <laughs> if, if, you're, you're, if your reporting shows nobody cares, what are we doing? <laughs> well, I, right. Well, yeah, I get that. 
On the other hand, well, I don't. I thought it was a great interview. I did. If you're interested or you're hearing it in the news all the time, there you got the truth of it. And there you got a columnist for the WAPO saying, and the whole thing's so overblown, you can't believe it. We don't have time for that thing you got, do we, right now? All right, listen, if you're, if you're gifted, if you're blessed, to get, that's with a wink of an eye. I'm not actually an egomaniac. To get the next hour of the show, we've got a great, this is a Democrat congressman blasting his interviewer. Um, it's just delicious. And but if you don't get the next hour of the show, you got to go to work or something. Grab the podcast; it's available uh, wherever podcasts are distributed. I couldn't have told you that. What nearly forty Democrats? It'll be hour number three. Nearly yes. forty Democrats joined with the Republicans. I forgot the impeachment of Clinton. I yeah, that's uh, that's that was news to me. Yeah. Um. And I brought the tidbit a couple of weeks ago because I was just reading through the history of it. The famous Saturday night massacre during the whole Nixon thing, when he really crossed the line and, you know, ordering the attorney general to stop this and that, and they resigned and he fired people and that sort of stuff. It was nine months after that when impeachment, uh, the impeachment vote actually, they started the impeachment process. It took nine months to get there. Now there's, we're in a hurry inflation. Yeah. Between the early 70s and now. No doubt. Call that nine months three, four months by modern standards. I just can't see doing this during a presidential election. Seems crazy to me. I mean, me. He's, as he said, they started that in, in, in October of 98, but, man, that's a midterm. That's that's just that's a different thing than a presidential election. Yeah. I would think just as a Democrat, you might say, if he wins, we'll impeach him. If he gets reelected, we'll impeach him. Otherwise, what the hell's the point? Yeah, no kidding. Boy, that'd be, oof, craziness. Armstrong and Getty.